The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. I felt like I was out of control and I didn't want anybody else to think that I was out of control, you know? So that was like just young Justin not being comfortable with I don't know. You know what I mean? Like just just being comfortable with I you know this dog sometimes does stupid stuff and it's not my fault. It's something that we should be working through together. The lesson is love. <laughs> the lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. Welcome to the Lesson is Love podcast, where my guests are inspiring change makers. I see these conversations as learning out loud, a chance to lower shields and practice relating to all beings as beloved kin. Sharing worldviews helps shape our species a little bit closer to the best case scenario, universal fluency in life's most nourishing skill, unconditional love. I'm Grisha Stewart, best known for developing Behavior Adjustment Training, or BAT, which is a trauma and attachment-informed approach that helps dogs and puppies safely explore the world and open to connection. I'm also the founder of the Grisha Stewart Academy, a collaborative online dog school that cares about people, too. Our global experts teach professional dog trainers and the curious public to nurture healthy community with dogs. I'm also a dog mom, wife, daughter, sister, widow, stepmother, aunt, friend, musician, and always, always a student. In this episode, I spoke with Justin Farron, a humble, insightful, fantastic singer-songwriter from Sacramento, California. We explored the parallels of nurturing dogs and children, the insatiable nature of money as a reinforcer, and practical ways to help his dog become comfortable with people. Well, thank you for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. it's so exciting. So what's your best case scenario for the interview? Well, I guess I always, like when I do interviews, I'm always hoping that like I'll come away thinking, oh, I never really thought of that. Or like I never really said that out loud outside my own personal internal monologue language. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and maybe maybe I will have come away with some better understanding of something that I, you know, up until then had only kept inside my head, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some help articulating. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you just did it right then. Good job. Ah, excellent. <laughs> good. We're, we're on, yeah. off for a good start. Yeah. All right, then. So what are you reading right now? Reading? Oh, man. So I got to be honest with you, Grisha. I don't do a ton of reading. I've been reading a ton to my daughter. We do tons of bedtime story things. Right now we're on Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. Uh-uh. But uh, I don't I do not do a lot of like uh, reading for enjoyment myself. So yeah, that's where mm-hmm. I'm at with that. In lieu of reading a lot, I've been cooking a lot. I've been like watching cooking videos mm. and then cooking a lot. That's where I'm at with seeking entertainment and then doing something with it. Mm-hmm. Cooking right now. What's your favorite thing that you've cooked? Well, I just, like the last week, I've just been on a rampage, Grisha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got, so yesterday I like, I made quiche, like from scratch, Ooh. and it turned out so good. 
I don't think I've ever successfully made a quiche. So. Yeah, pie crust is, is serious business. It's mm -hmm. serious business. So I've been learning about that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so what else are you curious about in your life? I've always been a audio nerd, like recording geek person. Mm -hmm. And lately I've been really digging in deeper to audio production and mixing recording techniques and stuff like that. Spending a lot of time with that. Also, the big thing that's been going on is we got this new puppy. So I've been like in learn about my puppy and be a good dog owner. That's what I'm most curious about these days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It sort of ends up being sort of like a part-time job or a full-time job. Oh yeah, it is. But it's like perfect timing. Like we, there's a little bit of downtime here, you know, and it's like, it's been really sweet. She's, mm -hmm. she's awesome. And so it's been, it's been a good thing to step into. Yeah. Nice. But it is totally, it's a part-time job. Mm -hmm. And her yeah. name is Clara. Clara. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And she's a cattle dog. She is. Nice. Yeah. What features, that's sort of what I use for problems. What features are you working features. on right now? <laughs> oh man, she's, you know, honestly, she has been like far and away the easiest young dog I've ever had. You know, like before her, and we, we still have our dog Pickle, he's like 14 now. Um, he was so difficult as as a young man, just like so, <laughs> just like so you. much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he was very like, he just had this insane prey drive and we could never like take him out of the house without him being just completely off the charts, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's where he was at. And also he loved people so much that it, he could never be around them. You know what I mean? It was like his, his love for them was just way too much, like just mm -hmm. active, just crazy, you know? And so that was the first long section of his life first few years of his life where we just were really trying to rein that in and eventually mm -hmm. we we kind of you know we learned and he learned and all that he's awesome now mm -hmm. clara her feature is that she doesn't really like people she loves us she doesn't want to meet anybody else and certainly doesn't want them coming over to our house so that's what we're working on right now mm -hmm. um, other than that though she's amazing She's like awesome on the leash. We go running every day. She's awesome with other dogs. She's just a sweetie. So mm -hmm. oh, I don't great. know. Yeah. Well, it's funny because most people tend to sort of romanticize their past dog, that their past dog was perfect and the, and yeah. the current one is the troublemaker. So totally. It's nice that you, I think it's probably because <laughs> you're very self-aware. You think through how things have changed. You know, Pickle's an old guy and he has health issues and we know that he's not going to be with us for much longer. And we debated on whether we wanted to bring a younger dog in, you know. And with, the more we thought about it, the more we were like, yeah, I think it's right. I think it's right because she'll, she'll bring some new life into the house and, and probably extend Pickle's life a little mm -hmm. bit. And, you know, and that's exactly what's happened. But the flip side of that is that having a young dog has like, it has reminded me of the way that I behaved the last time I had a young, troublesome dog. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, like mm -hmm. I've fallen into this, like, Pickle's just a bucket of love. He doesn't, you know, he's just the most wonderful guy now. He's 14. He's just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. And so I got in my mind, like, oh, he's just the greatest. But having her now has reminded me of all those things I had to learn a long time ago to cope with, you know, young dog energy and, you know, mm -hmm. sort of the crazies. So she has reminded me what a pain he was when he was younger, you know? <laughs> nice. So, yeah. I, I feel a song coming on at some point. Probably, yeah. <laughs> this, it's uh, circular for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, and every day is definitely a gift with these older dogs. Totally. 
totally. He's the coolest. He is. By the sounds of it. I'm just thinking, as you mentioned, Pickles, I have a, a had a dog named Peanut, who was my mm-hmm. older dog when I brought a, a younger dog named Bean into the household. And Yeah. Having that sort of old, old young blend, the best of the older dog can sort of, like they can teach the younger dog to some extent. It totally has. It has totally happened. Certain things, you mm-hmm. know. Also, like the things that Pickle still does that are like a pain, he's definitely showed her how to do. He's awesome around the house, except for every once in a while, he's like, I'm going to get in the trash can in the kitchen and there's nothing they're going to do about it, you know? <laughs> and he knows, you know, like we just love him no matter what. He's just like, go, yeah, he, he did it again, you know? Yeah. I have a secret for you. What's that? We'll just get a locking trash can. Dude. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. So one of the pet theories that I have for dog training is that we treat our dogs very similarly to how we treat our inner child. Mm -hmm. Does that match? Like if you were to sort of think of like how you were treating Pickles when he was younger, was that something of how you treated yourself? And then has your own growth changed you and how you treat the new dog? I think I have improved immensely. I think that when we had Pickle, I was like much more just on a personal level, much more insecure. And I think that that carried through into the way that I treated him. I've been talking to Carrie, my wife Carrie, a lot about how like, why do I feel like I need to have everything put together all the time? Like if someone comes over to the house, I always want it to be clean in here. You know, if someone's going to get in my truck, I'm like, oh man, I got to clean out this truck before they get in the truck. Why do I have that thing? Part of it is that I want other people to feel comfortable, but a good part of it is that I just want to feel like I'm in control or like I want to be sure that I've done a good job all the time. And Mm. it's exhausting, you know? I think that that carried over in having Pickle as a young dog is that he was very hard to handle. And so it stressed me out, not only because maybe he was going to hurt himself or another dog or someone else, but because I felt like I was out of control and I didn't want anybody else to think that I was out of control, you know? So that was like just young Justin Mm -hmm. not being Mm -hmm. comfortable with, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like just, just being comfortable with, I, you know, this dog sometimes does stupid stuff and it's not my fault. It's something that we should be working through together, you know? So my approach to it back then was less healthy, I think, because I was more concerned with making sure that I got it right instead of just what does Pickle need? You know, where can I meet him? That type of thing. Yeah. So it's been easier with Clara because I'm like, okay, I've had a kid now. I've, I've, I've been thoroughly broken down by adulthood. You know what I mean? Right. So like I can be like, all right, sometimes things are messy. Sometimes dogs make mistakes. Sometimes I make mistakes. It's easier now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and it's very, it's much easier to immediately forgive her for some stupid little thing that she did instead of thinking that it's a statement about where this is going. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, it's, she hasn't learned what to do yet or she's learned something else. Right. She's nervous. She learned something wrong, you know, and I, we're working together and it's easier now. It's easier now for sure. I heard something the other day about how the state of not knowing, like when we don't know what to do, that's a huge source of aggression. And I think that really (laughs) explains where a lot of punishment based training has come from. Totally. Oh, man, that's like when we had Amelia, our daughter, we had the talk about like, we're, there's never a chance that I'm going to hit this kid. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? No matter mm-hmm. what happens, I'm never going to hit this kid. You know, first and foremost, I, w- I would just feel incredibly bad, you mm-hmm. know. But on top of that, it's like saying to this person, 
I am out of ideas. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I have nothing left in my arsenal of how to deal with life <laughs> except for this, you know, which is like, I totally get it. You know, if, if that's how it actually is for you, I totally understand. But like the agreement was we're never, you know, our goal is to never allow ourselves to get to that place where we're just like, mm-hmm. you know, end of that rope. And it's know? so nice to have, you know, to have two people, right? To be like, you yeah. you handle this right now. Yeah. All my brain doors are closed. I need I need a moment. Oh, totally. And yeah. it is it's necessary for that balance to take place, like having Carrie there to be like, okay, you know, tag out. You're going to mm-hmm. deal with this for a second while I like, you know. That right. that was that was totally necessary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it only takes 20 seconds for our nervous system, you know, to kind of get out of that like rage area yeah. <laughs> and just uh, yeah. breathe. And then, okay, yeah. now I have other ideas and go yeah. back in. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a reason you just kind of named it. There's a reason why when people have babies, part of the advice they give at the hospital apparently is you know, don't shake the baby. Yeah. And, and anyone not having a baby would be like, well, of course you don't of shake the baby. Of course don't shake. <laughs> but some things just have to be said just in case you ever get oh, to that place. Of course. And I mean, you're like, you're going to be so exhausted and you're going to be like, at, in every way in your life, you're going to be sort of toward the ends of what you've ever had to deal with or encounter. And so it's mm-hmm. a good hard line. Right. Don't shake. Don't shake the baby. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I yeah. wish everybody was that way toward dogs because you see people, you know, smacking them or leash yeah. corrections because it's called training with dogs. Which yeah. Is so <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah. Because it's not how it has to be done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sure. So circling out of the dog world a, a little bit, yeah. what practices keep you grounded and kind? Since we got back from the Sisters Folk Fest, I have had the same morning routine, which is brand new to me. So my daughter started first grade um this year and so suddenly in a very art house my house is very artist house suddenly there's a schedule where this kid has to get up and out the door by a certain time which has never been the case here and so that means that I'm you know I'm up at 5:45 and you know she's up a little bit later and so all of a sudden there's like a routine around here so for the first like a month of her school year, I just was mourning the fact that now I had to get up early and do this stuff. And then I've kind of locked into a routine of getting up about a half hour before her. So like 545 and then do a 20 to 25 minute yoga video and then get her ready for school and then take her to her little carpool where she goes and then go for a run with the new pup. I feel like it's like a perfect little thing that I've locked into now where it's like by eight o'clock. I've exercised, I've done some things to center myself and spent time thinking about my body a little bit. Cause I feel like I've always just jumped straight into the day, you know, and totally neglected basically how do I feel physically at all. I've spent most of my adult life ignoring how I feel physically, you know? And so this is like the, the first like extended period of time where I'm actually thinking about it every day. And it is, it's really been awesome. I feel like the yoga in the morning has really helped me with being a better dad through the day, being a better, you know, husband, pet owner, all the things through the day. So we talked a little bit earlier about how in the past I wanted to always look as though I had it under control type of thing going on. And so I think I'm, I think that's unfolding and I'm becoming more able to uh, just kind of breathe and and see what's happening and not immediately go into that sort of reactive state you know whatever it is yeah 
Yeah. I'm circling back that phrase of I don't know. That's something that my husband Tom kind of came to as a, as a, you know, one of those spiral lessons where you come back to it and you say, oh my God, yes, this. Yeah. And just this realization of I don't know and yeah. it's okay. And he said part of his culturation as a man, although I'm not sure that I don't have this too, so I'm not sure it's just men, yeah. but he's very aware that as a man, the huge expectation is he's supposed to have it together, right? Yeah. And that like he's supposed to have the answers. And so you just yeah. keep going until like eventually it's sort of like, ah, I, I really, really, really don't have the answer. Yeah. You know? I can say that I completely identify with it. And I have had that same conversation with Carrie as to whether this is uniquely part of the way we raise males mm -hmm. versus anyone else, you know? Right. And I don't know that that's entirely what's going on. I do think that there is some, not added, but other element that gets soaked up by young boys. We might be more tuned into hierarchy or something when we're younger and get it in us really quick that we're supposed to know. Mm. I see it all the all the time and I like even like just watching my daughter play with boys on the playground it's like they're doing the thing right now where they're like you know what I mean like it's <laughs> they're already doing it yeah <laughs> they're already doing it and this is going to be hard for them like it's not to say that it's specifically male but it, it is something that I see a lot I fully identify yeah. with that yeah I was like a tomboy and always proud of that aspect. Yeah. And so I think sometimes when I'm, I'm wondering, is this more, you know, masculine or feminine? It's like, well, I, I don't know. I, I'm doing it. Yeah. But definitely I also have trouble asking for help. And I realized recently oh. I did a woman's circle healing thing, kind of healing the sister wound recently. And mm -hmm. one of the things I went there for is that I definitely have trouble saying, hey, actually, I need help from the community. Like somebody sure. step in right now because I don't know what I'm doing. There needs to be a song about not knowing. <laughs> yes, I've done everything I can to avoid asking anyone for help up until about maybe five years ago when I softened up a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. But up until then, it was like, I'll do anything to avoid <laughs> asking for help, including put myself in physical danger. You know, like we built our house, you know? And it was just like this process that was like, there's so many times when I should not be doing what I'm doing right now. I should be <laughs> at least on a rope or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Someone should be belaying me. <laughs> yes, or yeah, something, exactly. Right? Something, and and I feel like I spent so much time during that process just ignoring my body and ignoring the fact that I needed help. You know, and so this process that very well could have been like, maybe it never would have been fun, but it could have been rewarding and more more wholesome at least. You know, mm -hmm. it turned into this just like stress cycle of you know what I mean just like every day working and doing things that I knew I didn't know what I was doing right and I also knew I wasn't being safe and I was afraid that someone was going to see me doing something unsafe and that I was doing it wrong you know what I mean and it just went so like that yeah I I'm wiser than that now but that was young life I think that's pretty normal yeah <laughs> I think it's normal and I think it's part of our culture I think this individualism that we're raised with like it requires community grief requires yeah. community there's so many things that require community that we assume that we have to do by ourselves yeah totally yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, if we could get that earlier, that's better. Right? It's okay to ask for help. It's okay. That's right. Yeah. I think our whole education systems are sort of, they're meant to make us really good at working in factories and not so good at like being humans yeah. in society. 
And then I feel like the flip side of that is that then, because that's how things are kind of set up, we don't actually learn how to help either. Right, right. It feels like too much of a burden. Yeah, and then like teachers were like, you're incredible. I can't believe that you do what you do because you help. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Like nurses, I can't believe you could do that because you help, you know? And like the rest of us are like, I never learned how to help anybody. And like when you have a kid, then it's like, okay, I want to help. How do I be of help to this person? Like she wants to make eggs. How do I help her make eggs? You know what I mean? How do you help her learn how to make eggs as exactly. well, Exactly. Right? Like, how do I do that in a way that isn't just me getting kind of frustrated and making eggs? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that that's like a skill set that I feel like we should be teaching that. Like how to help is, is like, that's super important. And I don't feel like people really know how to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a great yeah. point. And, and I think similar, you know, in, in my world, in the dog training, that people have a tendency to sort of want their dogs to be a certain way right away and feel a certain yep. way versus like the work that I do, I have a technique called BAT for working mm-hmm. on reactivity, right? And so I teach them to be, teach the people to be supportive for the dogs, to hold space for the dogs as they go through their emotional experience and to be at enough of a distance where the dogs can process without yeah. freaking out, right? And so how to create an environment where the dog can succeed, which yeah. is probably what good parenting is all about as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, totally. Success, I think it's loaded a little bit with parenting. Like with dogs, it's like the dog can succeed in that it was able to relax while the guest was in the living <laughs> right. room. Or, you know what I mean? It's like loaded with parenthood because success is like, what does that even mean, dude? Like that's the biggest... <laughs> <laughs> It's such a huge, you know, uncertain, like, what are you trying to line this person up for if you even could do that? You know, like, there's a lot of questions you need to come clean and answer for yourself if you're going to do a good job of that. Versus raising a dog is like, okay. Right. And eventually they do pass on, right? You don't expect them to go to college or marry or any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So as you were talking, I wondered, have you and Carrie had the conversation of like, this is our deliberate intention for the raising of this child? Like, what does success look like when you get to the end? Yeah, not in terms of any type of achievement or success on her part, really, what we would consider success on our part. Well, there are a couple things. One is like, if she can be comfortable with herself Mm. and comfortable with her thoughts, that's a, a prime objective, you know, mm-hmm. is like be able to spend time quiet with yourself, understand your feelings and not just react or not just feel not enough or whatever instead. And then the other thing is just trying to help her remain imaginative mm. if we can, you know, just keep her in that place where things are possible because you are dreaming them up and of course they're possible. I feel like the longer you can stay there, the easier a lot of complex things are. I feel like if you're able to envision your ideal or envision the thing that you want in your life, I feel like you're all the closer to being there. And if you, instead of you know allowing yourself to really picture it or, or allowing yourself to really imagine that reality, if instead you go to the place of, it could never happen because, or, but, or, you know, not for me, or that's only for other people. If you start down that road, you're really cutting off 
the potential of those things ever occurring, you know? And so if we can keep her in that sort of ethereal, imaginative, life is wild state for as long as possible, I feel like that's going to serve her. You know, I, f I feel like that would be a benefit to her. And then, you know, just let her know that we love her no matter what, those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of a song that you have, the two-wheel drive in Japanese song. So speaking of growth and looking back and wanting to be not quite the same yeah. person and, and seeing our mistakes. Could you play that song for us and then maybe we chat about it? Yeah, you bet. I sing a country song about a pickup truck And about a girl that I didn't Back when I'd chase off angels and trust my luck Cause I had no idea what either one was worth But first you should know I was a suburban kid Bus tables in a strip mall diner three nights a week She was a wild-eyed shaved head punk rock chick It was a quarter ton truck Two-wheel drive in Japanese I was singing along to some radio song When I picked you up Didn't even turn it down when you got in It's hard not to think that you could do no wrong When you're 16 and somehow that's the way That it's always been so you like punk rock Talking at you through the window While I pump some gas You didn't answer but I saw you Laughing in the side view I didn't ask you what was funny Cause I was too busy Being badass We must have driven around That town four times That night Cause I didn't have a plan Like I never do I'd spent all my tip money on a new tape deck, yeah And my last little bit of grace just to be with you Faded yellow, born October 82, just like me With a cracked windshield, ripped up seats, and worn out rings She caught smoke in the cold, but she always warmed up fine she was looking better than me that night I ran a red light to show off But you weren't the only one who saw a Cop pulled me over right there on your block He wrote me a two-paycheck ticket Looked at you and leaned in said, You might be wise to spend your time With someone other than him as he pulled off, you said you'd walk the rest of the way For the first time that night, I had nothing cool to say And I felt a thing I had never felt, but I've felt a lot since then It wasn't guilt, shame, or regret, no That was just a real life sinking in I still drive that same old truck, the damn thing won't die Sometimes I clean it up and take my girl out for a ride 
Most times we talk, but sometimes we just look out quiet. I leave the radio off and stop at every light. If I could go back in time, I wouldn't. But if I had to, I'd play it straight. I would have told you I was sorry and made sure you got home safe. Some songs you sing to remind yourself of the people that you've been. This one goes out to a guy I never want to be again. Oh, thank you for that. Yes. So as an adult, this feeling of the difference between like shame and okay, actually, I'm just learning from that. And I don't want to do that again. Like, can you speak to the nuance of the differences of those feelings, whether it's in your body? Or how do you get from that initial like, ooh, shame kick to like, oh, actually, I just don't want to do that again. Yeah, I think that we're wired for reward like i think that someone needs to dangle a carrot there needs to be a carrot out there and i need to be looking for it right and i think that like that transformation happens when you realize that it feels really good to set down that past version of yourself like it's not an admission of weakness or something it just feels good you know like it just feels like ah <laughs> oh right this is the real me like that was just a defense that was just something i was doing i don't even you know like <laughs> i just learned how and, to do that and i could yeah I don't have to do it anymore and i think that that just for me it just came with time it wasn't like some achievement to realize that i fucked up and that i could do better it just felt good to set it down and i think that's that's adulthood for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what adulthood is for me. It's just like realizing the things that I don't need to carry just because I thought I would a long time ago or just because someone said I should a long time ago. Instead, just recognize what feels natural, healthy, and good now and being able to set down the other stuff. And I think that that's what I mean. Like that carrot is like that. You need to have the experience of doing it and realizing that it's really nice to get there to like set that stuff down and Mm -hmm. it's not a it's not something to be ashamed of you know what i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i think that's what that was for me you know is and like singing that song now is like it's just sweet it's really sweet you know it's like maybe at the time it was like this really embarrassing whatever chapter you know but looking at it now, I think like, okay, that's what I had to do. So yeah, the carrot is sort of the, the nourishment, right? It feels good. It feels good. Yeah. It's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. There's so yeah. many things that I learned that we all learn, right? They're just not healthy. They work yeah. in the moment. They have their function. It's like, thank you for yeah. keeping me safe, right? This past version of me. Yeah. And yet it's not nourishing for all of me. Totally. And so I can set that down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So changing gears a little bit, how would your dog describe you? And I would say the younger dog now. And actually yeah. maybe both of them. Let's have the younger and the older dog describe you. I feel like both of them probably think I never chill out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, this dude is always doing something. 
you know, like I wake up before them. I'm like immediately doing something, you know, getting the kid ready, doing my little yoga thing. And then we go for the run and then we get home and then I start cleaning a thing and then I'm working on this. You know, I feel like mostly they just be like, this dude is crazy. Just slow he, is all, he never stops, you know. I think my old dog might think that I'm kind of goofy. Goofy how? You know, like we do all the like weird dog talk, tons of different names that we call them and like our dances and things, you know, like you do with your dog. And I feel like when he was younger, he would really lean into it and be like, yeah, we're playing. You love me, you know? And like the older he's gotten, the more I feel like he kind of gives me the side eye. Like when I'm like, come on, man, let's wrestle. He's like, like yeah, uh, that hurts I now. Think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, beyond that, beyond the physicality of it, I feel like he like sees me and Sometimes I feel like he's like, you're too much, dude. He's All like right. whatever 14 times 7 is, right? So yeah. He's like, he's <laughs> like old now. Years yeah. old, yeah. He's like, I'm waiting for you to catch up in age. <laughs> yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. Like, he's super wise now. And he's like looking at me like, dude, you don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. a lot of work with consent with dogs, and so teaching uh -huh. people to really pay attention to the nuance of their dog kind of, you know, saying, yes, I'm into that, or no, I'm not into that, no. and, yeah. you know, and that consent is immediately revocable if they get themselves into something and realize they don't want to. Yeah. And it sounds like you're paying attention to what your senior dog <laughs> is saying. I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. Actually, no. Not yeah. really, man. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. So dogs need about 16 to 18 hours of sleep or at least rest every day. Uh -huh. And yeah. humans, I'm sure, actually need more than we get. <laughs> yeah. They say eight hours, but I think that's kind of like the bare minimum of functionality. Yeah. I feel like that's based in that idea you were talking about how we're, we're designed to be factory workers. I feel right. like that's... <laughs> We yes. need eight hours, exactly. And then and then back on, right, exactly. On. You get a little yeah. time with your family, and then, all right, back to your real purpose, yeah. which is your the real working purpose. thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody the other day about reinforcement and how money is a reinforcer, right? Mm -hmm. We work for money. But it's not like a what we would call primary reinforcer as a dog trainer. Like, it's not something we biologically need, right? It's a yeah. secondary. It leads to something that we need. Yeah. And there's a little education moment. But whenever you have yeah. a, a reinforcer, if you're using positive reinforcement, the animal will give more behavior. Like it'll be more active. If you're training with punishment, they'll kind of do the least amount necessary in order to get what you want and avoid the punishment. Oh, yeah. But if it's positive reinforcement, they'll like, yes, I'm in it. And you see that excitement yeah. level, which is great with dogs if when we need them you know i i teach them to do body handling and and vet care and all these things that are for their benefit yeah totally and so with humans though i was thinking that so money is this reinforcer right so we're doing more than we need to to get it right it's showing you know we have excitement yeah. for it and it also never runs out like we never get satiated it's not like yeah. food right where you can you work for the amount of food that you need and then yeah. you rest right yeah yeah <laughs> that I'd run that by you as a notion. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think about that stuff all the time. We built this house that I live in, and when we set out to do that thing, that was like one of our, the reason that we wanted to do it, mm -hmm. this is a long time ago now, was because we wanted to be able to make the call, like, in life, I have enough money, I don't need to work as much mm. that was our youthful thinking about you know what this would represent to us is that right. like if well if we had a house and it was ours then we would be able to say i don't need to work so much right now because mm. i have this need this absolute need is taken care of absolutely right 
So that was the goal there. And, you know, to some degree that has been, you know, kind of the role that it's played. Of course, like you said, like money is not a thing that you ever have enough of. Right. It takes our executive functioning to say that is actually enough. Yeah, you need to, yeah, you need to really be on it to say that sentence and mean it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For some folks, it does happen probably. But, you know, if our wealthiest people are any indication, it actually doesn't happen at all because they have so much money and still want more money. So it's kind of, you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's similar to there's a study that that. Uh, what they did was they took these soup bowls and they anchored them down. I think I may have actually told you this story, that we don't know when we're full. We just know when we're no longer hungry. So they anchored the soup bowls down and there was actually soup coming up from underneath. Uh-huh. And so the bowls were just constantly refilling, but the people yeah. didn't notice. And so they yeah. were supposed to say when they were full, but they could yeah. eat like three or four times the amount that, that yeah. they actually really needed because the yeah. bowl wasn't empty yet. It's, it's full. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's still soup in there. Well, so that's how I yeah. can tell if I'm full because yeah. we're so out of tune with our bodies. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Also, we're just visual people anyways. So like something like that, it's almost like you're tricking folks because we're trained to like for self-preservation and for appreciation of art and for all different reasons to just use our eyes. Like that's how we do pretty much everything. So if you look at it and it's like, I haven't eaten anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that's your primary, you know, intake of your entire experience. I feel like is, is through our eyes, you know, that's true. Know. <laughs> right. 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 Like the dogs are yeah. the nose and we're definitely eyeball yeah. beings. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if people had like a visual of how much money they actually have, right? Yeah. If, if like the super billionaires would be like, okay, actually. Okay. This, this is getting is legit ridiculous. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to do the last little section on dogs specifically. So do you have any dog questions for me or anything you want me to sort of go off on about your dog that might be helpful? I want you to walk away with a contribution to you. So Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. I mentioned earlier that the big thing that we've been working on with Clara is the people coming into the house. <clears throat> when we first got her, she was really wary of pretty much everybody, even just on a walk and stuff like that would kind of bark and be a little afraid. And that has pretty much completely gone away. She doesn't want people to pet her, but she's totally fine. She'll stand next to him and, and be calm and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're still working on if like my drummer friend comes over to work on some recording stuff, if you have a like best practices, what we tried with Clara and it's worked pretty well with one person is that like, I know my friend Brian's coming over. So me and Clara go on a walk before he comes. When he does show up, he pulls up in front of the house. We meet him at his car. And then we all walk a similar walk to what we just did down the street. Great. Great. Fantastic. Come back all together, go in the house. And in, once or twice that has gone pretty well like especially if it's just one person like just brian comes over and does it she doesn't want him to pet her but she's totally cool will sit with us in the music room chill fall asleep not worried about it right that's if everything goes perfectly you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah like if he doesn't make any quick moves or no strange sounds we walk just right no dogs bark at us on the walk. If everything goes just right. right, you know what I mean? Right. Now we had a group of friends come over for dinner last week. And so we all did the same thing. I met them all at their car. It was a family. I met them all at their car. We went on the walk. She was totally cool. We came in the house. And I think it was just too many 
people for her, you know, mm -hmm. to be in her living room. So everybody got in the living room. They're sitting on the couch. She's starting to get a little wary. One of the kids kind of like made a move through the living room and she all of a sudden was like, I'm not happy about this. And then it's like, switch is flipped. I'm just barking at everybody. She's not right. going to bite anybody. She's not being aggressive toward them apart from she's barking at them. Right. She's like, I don't know what to do. Loud noises. <laughs> yes. And so then it's like, okay, well, she sleeps in her crate and she goes in her crate during the day and she'll chill in there. So I was like, okay, well, I'll put you in your crate. But then she just sat in her crate and yapped and yapped and yapped. And I've got like friends over. I'm making dinner for everybody. And I'm like, no, I feel bad. Then for like a couple of days after that, she like doesn't want to go anywhere near her crate because she's like, that was a terrible, oh, no. traumatic, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know? Right. So I just wonder like in the moment when she's way over threshold and is totally unhappy, what would be your go-to for the next step to try and get her down off of that? out of that place, you know? Yeah. So I have an answer for that on many different levels. So sure. one is kind of, if this was a really important meeting and you could not be spared and you needed to not have her be there and barking, your car is a great spot if it's not too hot. Give her a Kong if you can. So it's also fun while she's out there. Sure. That's kind of like a last ditch effort. Last ditch. Thing, okay, right? cool. So I'll rewind in time. And so there are many different spots at which you could also intervene. And so okay. if you think about Clara as being a small being who doesn't know what to do, more like your daughter, where you put your priority is important. So right now, when she's young, if you can get this sort of nipped in the bud, then it's going to have a whole lifetime effect of a good, peaceful dog. So yeah. you might want to prioritize her well-being instead of the social aspect with your friends, yeah. if possible. Like when you see her start to get agitated, say, I'm going to go on a walk. Does anyone want to go with me? Or, yeah. you know, or you go on a walk by yourself and then you redo the whole meeting yeah, again. Yeah, try it again. Or keep it short, have fewer people. Yeah. And then a rewind in time even from that would be doing that sort of scenario, but it's friends who are just there for Clara. Yeah. So they're not there for you. They're there to help you with her. Yeah. Right? And so... Yeah. And even if it's somebody you have to pay, like a dog walker yeah. or dog walkers are nice because they're good with dogs and they don't usually try to give you dog training advice so you can have your own plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is useful. Oh, that's super smart. I didn't even think about that. That was the, another thing is like, who can I basically hire? Or in this way, <laughs> yeah, right? To, yeah, exactly. Because like my brother, how many times can I have my brother come over and deal with my dog who's barking in his face? But that's a great idea is it's like, just get a dog walker that can come over and do that with us. Yeah. And then the win-win is that you have a dog sitter. Right? Totally. So the yeah. more dog sitters she knows, the more travel you can do more easily, right? So that is, yes, this is genius. Yeah. I didn't even think about this, but next thing was like, okay, like if I take her to someone's house, she's awesome. She doesn't want them to pet her mm -hmm. like always, but she's happy to just chill next to me. She'll play with their dog, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, okay, if I went away for a week and boarded her somewhere, would she develop that same behavior of being, I don't know if that's territorial or if it's just you're in my zone, you know, like my right, She might start to guard space. their house. She might right. start to guard their house. Yeah, we need to figure out a way for her to have a healthy relationship with people coming over so she can fold into this life a little bit because otherwise this is going to get very complex. Right. And having pet sitters that stay at your place is definitely always going to be easier for the dog. Well, not always, yeah. but most of the time easier for yeah. the dog. And then also that gets them in the habit of other people come over and I like them. And yeah. that part where she's not allowing touch, she does like it from you guys, right? 
Yeah. So it's not that she's physically uncomfortable with touch. It's more like, I don't know these strangers and why are they touching me? Exactly. Great. Exactly. So doing sessions where it's the same person over and over and it's always within her comfort zone. So yeah. that she's the curious one. I mean, they're forming a new friendship, right? A new relationship. And so yeah. have them play hard to get until she's like, no, seriously, I really want to hang out with you. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if it's yeah. ever like they're coming on too strong, change something about the situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also, so the technique that I do is called BAT, Behavior yeah. Adjustment Training. It's in the school. So check that out. The whole yeah. Empowered Animals series you don't have to watch the Bat for Geeks, which is at the end. It's very technical. Yeah. So the first five, though, either yeah. you or your whole family watching those would yeah. be super useful. Right on. Right yeah. on. And yeah. then also watch micro signals because it's really about the nuanced watching of the dog for signs of discomfort. Because okay. usually what happens is people, whenever it gets to barking, is that the dog has already given seven different signals to say, yeah. hey, I'm not comfortable here and we're busy or whatever else and we miss yeah. them. And kind of think of it as like when your daughter, you know, I'm sure she occasionally might have a meltdown. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. You have the perfect child. So just think of it as like you're holding space for her, right? For Clara. Yeah. So yeah. the goal, and this is actually something I've only recently discovered, this like tiny nuance of wanting our dog to shut up and holding mm -hmm. space for them. So a lot of times, yeah. you know, we're sort of like there and we're like, shh, shh, sh it's okay, it's yeah, okay, yeah. it's okay, which is really like, I'm getting triggered, please be quiet as soon as yeah. possible, right? Yeah. <laughs> Versus like, if you were, you know, holding space for someone in grief, you wouldn't try to shush them. No. Ideally. And so you would just, you'd be there, you would co-regulate by keeping your nervous system calm. So you're going to yeah. breathe and feel grounded and all that yeah. stuff. So, and I would even, since you're a musician, I would write Clara a little lullaby that you sing uh -huh. at times like that and sing it oh, at other sweet. times. So she yeah. knows that this is like the calming mellow song. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's a great idea. So cool. I can do that. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Justin. It has been an absolute pleasure. Always good to see you. Yeah, likewise. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Lesson is Love. This work of universal love takes all of us, so if you think this podcast might inspire someone you know, please share it with them. You can find Justin Farron at justinfarron.com, and I highly recommend checking out his music. It's amazing. The Lesson is Love is a project of the Grisha Stewart Academy and Empowered Animals, produced by the fantastic Diane Redding. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it, and we have extra podcast perks at grishastewart.com. Please check out my academy to learn more about thriving in community with dogs. May you be free from suffering. May you know you belong. May you live a life of meaning and purpose. And with every choice, may you turn toward love. Thanks for listening. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love.